thank you for listening to the weekly message at First Baptist Church in Bushland, Texas. Hey, uh, as these guys finish and move my table up and all that fun stuff, I want to call your attention to the back of the bulletin. On the back is that outline for today. We are continuing a little bit longer in that Joshua Code. Uh, that's the Joshua Code what we've been in all year. It's 52 scriptures that the church cannot leave earth without knowing, okay? Great passage of scripture, and today is a classic. Galatians 2.20, many of you have memorized that, know it. Uh, we're going to look at that today. If you're in Awanas, I promise you, that's in your book. Galatians 2.20 is in there, all right? And uh, so, so go to your Bible, and we'll set that up in just a little bit. But, uh, hey, I want to tell you a little bit before we get into this. I know the, 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 the message is it's entitled The Sagging Middle. Now, I want you all to just relax a little bit. I'm not talking about your gut today, okay? I'm not talking about, I mean, we serve donuts, and then the pastor preaches on the sagging middle. That's just wrong, okay? Uh, has nothing to do with that, I promise, okay? But the sagging middle is, is so, it is Galatians 2.20, and you see it every day, and I'm going to unpack it for you in just a little bit. Many years ago, uh, when I was in student ministry, and some of you may have done this, and I don't even know, but uh, there was a ministry called Frontliners. Anybody familiar with Frontliners? Scott Rankin is, some hands going up. Carter, I know Erica did, all right? Uh, but Frontliners is a great ministry. You just take students to a, a church which sponsor Frontliners, and all these churches and youth groups would come in from all over the country. And you would go out three days and canvas neighborhoods around the church. And I'm not telling you that they, just, they didn't go out there just saying, hey, we're having hot dogs at the church. They went out there and went door-to-door and shared Christ. I mean door-to-door. I mean, kid riding a bike down the street, dude, you've been set up. You've been to get it, you know. I mean, it was just like that. And the kids did all the talking. The adults didn't say a word. And they ranked them one, two, three. First day, the, you know, the, the kid more confident would talk. Second day, second guy. You know, on, on the second day, the uh, second kid in the group of three, he would, he would share the Lord. And then the third day was the last kid. And I promise you, many times at Frontliners, on the last day, uh, when that, the, the night before the third guy got to talk, we had a lot of kids saved. A lot of kids saved. Because when you knock on the door, you got to say something. And if you don't have a story, <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you about Christ. I don't know him, but I'm going to tell you about him. I mean, what are you going to do? What are you going to say? And so we had a lot of kids just nervous wreck. And so they would put all these kids up in host homes all over the city. So the youth pastor, myself, I stayed with this family, awesome family, uh, just kind of divinely appointed at that moment because they had lost a son not too long before that, and it was just a sweet time. But we were having, uh, the first night I was there, she said, we were about to go to bed, and she said, hey, have you ever slept on a feathered mattress? I said, no, ma'am. So, well, do you want me to tell you a little bit about sleeping on a feathered mattress? Because they're a little different than, than a regular mattress. And I said, sure. She goes, well, here's the deal. On, on, a, on a feathered mattress, uh, you, you just got to stay out of the middle, especially when you sleep by yourself. I was like, I like the middle. Middle saw. That's fun. Good spot. She said, no, seriously, you got to stay out of the middle. I said, okay. Well, you know, I mean, I'm like, stay out of the middle. I'm going right to the middle. So I... I get ready for bed, and I'm sitting on the edge of the bed, and I take off my socks, <laughs> and I spin around to lay down. Dude, I, 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 I disappeared. 
disappeared. I mean, I was gone. That bed swallowed me. I mean, swallowed me. So I'm, I'm laying here. I'm a guest of this home. I don't even know these people. And I'm like, do I say help or what do you do? And I mean, Melissa's not there. I'm all by myself. And I'm telling you, I, it's, just, it's just a V. It's just an upside-down tent, and I'm in the middle of it. And I mean, I cannot move. I'm like, can't move that way. So I'm trying to pull on the edge to, to roll over, and the more I pull the edge, guess what? The deeper I get, dude, are you just closing yourself in? And I'm like, I mean, by now, I'm sweating. I'm in sweating in bed trying to figure out how to get out of this stupid feather bed, okay? I mean, she didn't say edge. I'm talking edge like where I was sitting. She meant like really the edge. And so finally, there's, a, there's a, 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 uh, like an iron bed frame. And so I pull, I'm pulling myself up on the iron bed. And I finally get in this little ball at the top of the bed. And I'm like, whew. And I climb out, and I can't get this leg. I fall on the floor, and she knocks on the door. You okay? I said, oh, I'm great. I'm, I'm great. I'm fine. I need to take another shower because I just went to bed. I mean, I was just sweating. And I'm going to tell you that, you know how I finally went to bed? I had three nights there or four nights there. You stack all the pillows that you can find in that room. And I even went to the next bedroom and stole a bunch of pillows off that bed. And you cram them in the middle so that when you get in bed, they swallow the pillows and not you. And you're like, you're good. Now, you're going to, all the blood's on one side of your body. It's never in the middle because I sleep on my back, and it's like, that's not my back. I mean, this arm's numb. But that's crazy, the saggy middle. Now, Galatians 2.20 is the sagging middle because when you look at, we're going to look at this text in a little bit. When I look at Christians, when I look at the church today, it's the saggy middle that gets us in trouble. It is because a many people in the church today have a real firm on the edges. This is like a feather bed. They're real firm on the edges, man. Really firm. One edge, I'm saved. I'm born again. I know I'm saved. I know I'm saved. Okay. Back end, the other end, I know if I were to die, I'd go to heaven. I know that. My, 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 my eternity is secure in heaven. Very firm on the edges. But you know what happens? We're real saggy in the middle sometimes. Because when Bible meets life, we don't do well. We don't do well. You say, man, I bet there's more people that are saved today that are in Bushman that are not in church than are in here. bet there are too. bet there are too. There's 1,500 students, around 1,500 students in our school. That's a lot of mom and daddies in Bushman. There's a bunch of people here today, probably 300 or so. There should be a lot more, huh? A lot more. But there's a lot of casualties out there. Well, when life met the Bible, we didn't score well. We took punches, and we didn't do well. We're real firm on the edges, but we're soft in the middle. How do you get firm in the middle? How do you get firm? You say, well, you got to eat right. Yeah. You got to diet. Mm-hmm. You got to work out. <laughs> yeah. Kind of sounds like the Christian life, doesn't it? All right? But we're not doing it. I want you to look at Galatians 2.20. I want you to see the sagging middle here. Galatians 2.20, you know this one well. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. 
In the life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Mm. Folks, if we could get Galatians 2.20 and walk it out every single day, we would be so firm in the middle. We'd be rock, man. Six-pack, eight-pack, nine-pack, 12-pack. I mean, we'd be a rock. Rock. But what happens is we forget Galatians 2.20 just as quick as we're saved. We forget. You say, what do you mean? Look at your outline. First one is, he took something from me. When you got saved, he took something from you. What was that? Your old life. He took your old life. I have been crucified with Christ. See, I was having lunch with a guy, and we were visiting about just life and Scripture and all this other stuff, and I had a hunch that he wasn't a believer, wasn't saved, but didn't know that well enough. And so after many lunches, um, we finally got on that subject, and, and he said, Jeff, I have a real problem with this crucifixion Calvary thing. Okay. I said, what is your problem with this crucifixion Calvary thing? He said, well, I don't believe it happened. I said, what do you mean you don't believe it happened? He said, I don't believe it happened. He said, it was 2,000 years ago. I wasn't, I wasn't there. Are you there? I said, yeah, I was. He looked at me. He said, what do you mean you were there? I said, I was there. You were not there. Yes, I was. How are you? How, you're not, you're too, I mean, you're not, no, you can't be there. I said, dude, I was there, and you were too. He said, how do you know that? I said, the Bible tells me so. It's like a little nursery rhyme, isn't it? Right? The Bible tells me so, right? He said, well, how do you know? I said, well, I'll tell you what. So I whipped out my Bible, and I said, Galatians 2.20 will tell you that. Galatians 2.20. So I spun my Bible around, and I said, read Galatians 2.20 to me. And he says, I have been crucified with Christ. I said, stop. What's I mean? That single? Mm-hmm. I means what? When you read I, it means you. When I read I, it means me. I have been crucified with Christ. The skull, Golgotha, Calvary, I was there. You were there, you were there, and you were there. That's how I know. He died in my place, but I was there. I was there. Folks, what we've got to remember is that we were there. We were there. That I have, I have been crucified. My old life is over. I'm done. I'm new. I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. The most important thing to that passage right there is you can't read Galatians 2.20 too fast. People want to read it too fast. I've been crucified with Christ and I'm not going to live. Nope, you got to slow down. I have been crucified. Let me say something to you. Until you realize, really realize, that I have been crucified with Christ, that old self is going to want to rear its head. When you gave your life to Christ, when you committed your life to Christ, when you prayed to receive Jesus as your Savior and Lord, I want you to understand something. At that moment, at that moment, Calvary became 
part of you. I mean, it was you. And you've got to remember that I have been crucified. Folks, nothing will cause more problems than a believer that doesn't realize that he was at Calvary. You say, I don't get that. Oh, you live long enough and you'll get that. You've got to remember that you were there. Outside in my margin, it says personal funeral. (laughs) Why do I write that? Because every day I have to remind myself that I have been crucified. I have been crucified. Old Jeff has been crucified. Okay? When you go to number two, and we'll wrap this up in a little bit. Two, he put something in me. He put something in me. My new life. My new life. Look at the text again. I have been crucified with Christ. And what? I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. Who no longer lives? I no longer live. Why do I no longer live? Because I was crucified. That means when Jesus says it, I don't argue with Jesus. When God calls me, I go. That was when God says, this area of your life, I'm not satisfied with. Well, I don't like the preacher who said that. He didn't say it. The Holy Spirit did. And I'm talking to you. Okay. I have been crucified. I no longer live. Listen to how many times he tries to remind us it's not about you. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about what I want. It's not about when I want it. It's not about my way. It's his way. I died at Calvary. I died. He resurrected my life. And the life I live now is what? By faith. By faith. Every single day. Look at a couple things. It's not improved life. It's not a changed life. It is an exchanged life. It is, here's me old, here's me new. It's not my old redone. It's not improved, okay? Why? Because if you just improve an old thing, the old things begin to break down. So you turn the old thing in and you get a brand new thing. Amen? I mean, it's like putting new it's like putting new tires on a bad Cadillac. Yeah, you've got a Cadillac, and you got some sweet rims and tires, but, dude, you ain't left the parking lot in seven years. So the only time you're cool is in a Facebook snapshot. You ain't seen a, you ain't seen a signal light in seven years. None. And, and the sad thing is, five years ago, your radio quit. You got junk, but it looks good. On them sweet rims and tires. I mean, it's bad. My car in high school, my first car, was a brown four-door LTD. I mean, that sucker looked like a travel bus, right? I'm glad I didn't parallel park that. I'd have wiped out the, the business next to the highway department, right? But my friends nicknamed my brown LTD Deterred. <laughs> and we loaded up. Melissa's like, I can't really tell the story. We loaded up. We had off-campus lunch, and we used to load up in my car and go to lunch. We pull up at Burger King, and that girl was going. 
and we just kept coming. It just kept coming out of there. It just kept coming out of there. I mean, I'm already ordering, and my doors are still open in my car. They're still coming, all right? I mean, my Whopper is almost made, and buddies are still coming out of my back seat. I mean, they, they, I don't know what's going on in there. Trunk, something. I mean, I could put nine or ten in there, and they, that, that, I don't know. We didn't have seat belts. It didn't matter back then. But we got in there. And if you put nine and ten in the car, no one's flying out. This ain't going to happen. It's just not going to happen. You could hit a wall 100 miles an hour, no one's moving that, out of that car. Nobody. All right? But the problem is, my dad put these rims and tires on there that he thought would make it look better. Oh, Lord, just drew attention to it. <laughs> I said, Dad, I love you. I do, man. That's sweet. That's nice. Oh, my gosh. I mean, it's terrible, man. And, I mean, I liked it better when it looked like Grandma's car at, at Safeway. I mean, it just, now it drew attention. So a lot of times what happens is we get saved. We draw attention to ourselves that we're born again. Guess what? We don't exchange our life. We just put new tires on it. And so now you've got these believers that so say they, they got saved, and they ain't talking any different, not acting any different, and not going any different locations. And we've got a world that's muffed up with what it really means to be born again. They're confused, man. They're confused. If we understand, man, that we can't just be firm on the edges, we've got to be firm in the middle we got to know who we are. I have been crucified with Christ. Crucified. I no longer live. Man, that's hard to say. In America, that is a very hard statement. Because we sure like it our way. We sure do. I was at lunch this week and a guy ordered something that they didn't have any more of. I mean, I was embarrassed for him because obviously he was not embarrassed. They just didn't have it. They just ran out. He wanted to know who they got their stuff from. That'll help you eat lunch, sir. I mean, I don't know what that meant. He was mad. The little girl, she didn't know what it meant. She didn't, it's not her fault. Order something different, dude. There's 19 things on the menu. Welcome to America, all right? They should have sent him outside to have some grass and sticks. But the bottom line is, we're spoiled. We think it's about us. How dare a store not have what we want when we get there? Somebody's going to pay a price. Dude, he already paid a price for you. You're not alive anymore. You're dead. You're walking in me. You need to be more concerned about being like me than getting your way. We, we all want our way. And we see, when we get our way, we want everybody to come around and look at us because we look like Jesus. No, when everybody comes around, it's when we don't get our way. And then we give a terrible view and perspective of Jesus. It's the, it's the Christian coach that's 0-9, not the Christian coach that's 9-0. Anybody give good interviews and say, thank you, Jesus, for that. But when you get your teeth kicked in every night, then what do you say? Then how do you act? Man, we got to remember that we're not alive, that we are dead. We're dead. Look at the third one. He gave something for me. Mm. He gave something for me, his own life. He loved me and gave himself for me. Didn't have to. Didn't have to. 
I was telling the story of the crucifixion and all this stuff about Judas to the little group of kids one time, a long time ago. And this little boy said, man, that, that crowd, they chased Jesus down, and Jesus was fast. But, man, he was running, and this crowd caught him, and they tied him up, and they drug him back to Calvary. I said, all right, let's get something. Let, hey, here you go. Jesus didn't have Nikes on. He didn't run real fast, and he wasn't running, okay? He told Judas, go do what you feel you need to do. And then he waited, and they came. Now, is he God? Mm-hmm. Could he? Mm-hmm. Did he? No. And what caused him not to? You and me. Because we were there. We were there. We were there. Think of the day that you were saved. Got it in your head? That's why. That's why he didn't run. That, that date right there is why he didn't run. That date. Remember what salvation did to you? How it changed you? How it took your old life and made it a new life? That's why he didn't run. That's why he didn't stop him. Because he loves you. He absolutely loves you. I want you to listen to the whole text again. I want you to look at the eyes, tons of eyes here. I have been crucified with Christ. If you need to stay there, don't move past that, okay? And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And this is beautiful here. The life I live in the body, I live by faith. Somebody needs to underline that. I live by faith. Somebody needs to hear that today. In the Son of God, who loved me, who loved me, and gave himself for me. Who loved me and gave himself for me. We are real firm on the edges, but we're real soft in the middle. Because when life and Bible meet, we don't do well. We don't do well. Here's how we do life in Bible. And I don't like that. I don't like that scripture. I ain't like that. I ain't going back to that church. Every time I come, preacher talking right at me. I don't like it. You read my mail on my Facebook page. I'm sick of it. I'm not doing either one of those, okay? All right? Man, I, I'm telling you, I go to pastor's conferences and I go to conferences and I think those pastors knew I was coming, all right? That's the Holy Spirit. And I said last week, the Holy Spirit makes you uncomfortable. Run to the Holy Spirit, and you will find comfort. You run away from it, and you will remain uncomfortable. And then you will realize, and the enemy will tell you, oh, you have not been crucified. You, you're not dead. He's doing that to you. That's a personal attack. He's picking on you. No. 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 See, one of the things about pastoring is they'll like you one Sunday and not like you the next Sunday. Okay? Or they'll love your decision or not like your decision. Because if you know, and some of you men and women are in decision-making situations where if you, make, you have to make decisions, you won't remain popular. If you don't have to make decisions, you'll always win most popular, okay? But, see, you have to understand that it's not 
about you and it's not about them. It is about the king. And there's some tough calls you have to make. There's some tough things that you have to make. And to teach your children that it's not about them, it's about him. And so as parents, sometimes we have to make tough calls. Okay? Now, at 16, the maturity level may not see that yet. But at 25, they're going to send you a thank you card in the mail, and you have no ideal reason why. But they remembered what you taught them. I want to finish with one passage. Can't read Galatians 2, 20 without reading 21. Look at it. I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. Mm. Boy, somebody needs to hear that that's really trying to be what Christ wants you to be. But you got to die to be there. You got to die. We've had a lot of men in our church give their life to Christ late in their life. They tried a long time to be what Christ looked like, what the church told them to be like. And they got tired, worn out, burnt out, frustrated. My friends, to really live is to die. To really live. And those of you who have died and have been crucified and Jesus remade you, that you exchange your life for a new life, that you've been born again, you understand that I've never been more alive than since after I died. I've never been more alive than after I died. Today, let's firm up not just our edges, but our middle. Let's understand that it's not about us, that we've got to stay in the Word, well-fed, well-nourished, a good diet of the Word. So when Bible meets life, and when we meet life, we look like Jesus. We look like Jesus. Because if not, if not, we're going to sound real confident on the edge of the bed. We're going to take off our socks and spin around to lay down in this beautiful thing called life. And we're going to get swallowed up. Swallowed up. My friends, be firm in the middle and be firm in the word. Know who you are, whose you are, that it's not about you, that you've been buried with Christ, you've been ri- wrote, he, he raised you from the dead to live a life, not that you could live, but he lives through you. Let him do it in you. If you're sitting here today and there's never been a time in your life that you have been born again, do not walk out of those doors. Don't. Don't. Don't say, well, it's not the right time. It's always the right time to give your life to Christ. And if you are a born-again child of the King today, understand something. You've been crucified with Christ. You no longer live, but Christ lives in you. And the life that you now live, you live by faith in the Son of God who gave himself for you. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. God, Galatians 2.20 is one of the passage scriptures that we memorize right off the bat as new believers. But God, unfortunately, sometimes as quick as we memorize it, we forget it. And God, we, we start taking everything personal and thinking people are picking on us and all the words that people say, we, we, we take it and 
We just walk around and nobody would even know by looking at us if we even are born again. God, we're soft in the middle, man. We got to be firm in the middle. We got to understand that we've been crucified with Christ and that we no longer live, but he lives in us. And if we take all that stuff, and that stuff's going to come at us, but we transfer ownership because uh, we're dead. He's got that. He can take those words. He can take all that because we're firm, firm. We stand on a rock, and we're hard as a rock because we know who we are in Christ, and the Word of God is what we stand on. God, this morning, make us firm in the middle, man, firm in the middle so that when Bible and life meet, we do well. God, I pray for anyone in this room today that's not firm on the edges either. They're saggy all the way. God, they don't, they don't really know a time when they've really met you. And if they were honest today, if they were to die on the way out of here today, they, they're not real sure their home is heaven. God, I pray don't walk out of here like that today. God, I pray they don't leave today without knowing that. Father, you're a sweet God, a wonderful God, and an awesome God. We need to meet with you so bad. And I pray during this invitation time that whatever you have said through your spirit today, we say yes to you. For on the other side of obedience, it's always blessing. And may we bless ourselves today. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask